Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi YouTube, it's Joshua Miles and welcome back to my channel. Today's episode is going to be yet another solved-ish true crime case for my Curious Case series. Thank you all so much for your support recently and I hope that you're finding all the cases that I'm covering at the moment interesting. Be sure to check out the true crime podcast that I'm a co-host on here on YouTube, Spotify or anywhere else you can stream your podcasts. It's called Crime Time and it's hosted by myself, Dark Curiosities, Molly Westbrook and Kirsty Sky. We took an unscheduled hiatus due to the current global situation um, but we're hoping to get back on track and relaunch season two. And with all that being said, let's delve right into this case. On Sunday the 17th of September 2017, a 22-year-old law freshman at the University of Santo Tomas in Tondo, Mania, the Philippines, was found unconscious and unresponsive, lying on the pavement near the university with a blanket draped over him. The law student was Jorqueo Castillo III, known as a tío to his friends and family, and he had promised his family that he would come home that Sunday afternoon, telling them that he had a welcoming party at the Agius Joris fraternity the night before. But sadly, Atio would never come home. The man who found Atio on the pavement, with the help of another, rushed Atio to the nearest hospital, though sadly, he was pronounced dead upon arrival. How did a 22-year-old freshman who had his entire life ahead of him go to a welcoming party at a fraternity and not 12 hours later end up dead. Atio was born on Friday the 26th of May 1995 in Mania, the Philippines, into a very loving family, consisting of just one sister called Nicole and both his parents. His family didn't believe in corporal punishment at all, they didn't think that hitting your child as a uh, punishment for their wrongdoings is uh, good parenting. So that kind of shows the childhood that Atio had in a very loving family. From a young age, everyone knew that Atio was destined to become a leader for the people in his country. He was a descendant of national hero Jose Ritzel and even had General Miguel Malva in his family tree. The passion for public service was ingrained in his DNA. And Atio didn't suppress that instincts, dreaming from a young age of one day becoming a Supreme Court Justice or even a senator. His parents wanted to be sure to provide him with the resources to go far 
and so he attended CSA, which is a private co-educational Catholic school. The school taught children from nursery all the way up to high school with a high-quality education in Augustinian tradition. You see, Atiyah was actually really, really religious, and his parents often joked that if Atiyah didn't one day become a public service uh, worker, he would definitely become a priest. On the 7th of December 2005, then 10-year-old Atiyah was a survivor in a devastating fire that set alight a building in Paco, Mania. Atio, along with his entire family, had become trapped on the roof of the burning building, with the fire breaking out on the floors below them. Fortunately for Atio's family, they were rescued by firefighters and escaped without injury. Atio went on to graduate from CSA in 2013 with top grades, which allowed him to continue on to the University of Santo Toma Junior High School. The University of Santo Toma, otherwise known as the Pontifical and Royal University of Santo Toma, or the Catholic University of the Philippines, is the oldest university in Asia, being founded in 1611. The university, according to its Wikipedia page, is run by the Order of Preachers, and has been visited by three different popes four times. It's a highly prestigious religious university, and was the perfect environment for Atio to succeed and achieve his goals. He soon progressed to the university's high school college, where he studied political sciences. During his time at the university's junior school and high school, he was the deputy for vice chairperson of logistics for a year at the UST Students Democratic Party, and he was the chairperson for the finance committee for the political science forum for a year. He worked exceptionally hard at school, allowing him to graduate on the 4th of June 2017 with top grades. Following that, he applied and was accepted to study at the UST's grad school, studying law. He began his course in August of 2017, but sadly, Atio was barely able to begin his dream course before his life would be so cruelly taken away from him. The week prior to his untimely death, Atio told his parents that he was planning on joining the Agus Juris fraternity. The AGF is described by some as being the most dynamic and active law fraternity at the university, and it holds five key values very close to its purpose. Academic excellence, equality, godliness, integrity, and service. According to one source, the AGF has produced the highest number of lawyers within the Faculty of Civil Law at the university. But Atio's parents weren't too sure about him joining the AGF, believing that it would distract him from his studies and also concerned about the fact that some fraternities have some pretty insane initiation writs. Atio reassured them that the AGF was very legitimate and uh, operated within university policy, citing that the civil law dean, Nilo Divina, was one of their members, so it, it must have some credibility. He told his father that they don't do hazing at the AJF. But what exactly is hazing? According to hazingprevention.com, hazing is any action taken or any situation created intentionally that causes embarrassment, harassment, or ridicule, and risks emotion and or physical harm to members of a group or team, whether new or not, regardless of the person's willingness to participate. Some examples of hazing include 
forced activities for new recruits to prove their worthiness to join, requirements to endure hardships such as staying awake, menial tasks, physical labor, running while blindfolded, etc., and even beatings, paddling, or other physical acts against new or potential members. According to a YouGov study that was conducted in 2017, one in five Americans have experienced hazing during high school, and hazing has led to a vast number of deaths. Hazing has resulted within the USA with at least one death every year except for 1958, from 1953 to 2019. And there is a lot of regulation and law surrounding hazing across the world. The Philippines passed an act in 1995 called the Anti-Hazing Act of 1995, which regulates the act of hazing and other initiation writs within fraternities and sororities in the country. It specifically prohibits and penalizes physical harm and violence within uh, initiation writs. Though Atio's father knew that this anti-hazing act wasn't strong enough or wasn't used often enough to prevent any untoward um, initiation writs from taking place. It simply wasn't a strong enough act to prevent seeing his son get injured in one of these initiation writs. He also knew that it didn't matter what he told his son because his son was very strong-willed and he always went out and did what he wanted to do and, and achieved his goals. The welcoming party for the AJF was due to take place on Saturday the 16th of September 2017, and Atia was a new recruit that wanted to join the fraternity. As I mentioned before, he told his parents that he would be coming home the following day. However, Atio never returned home. He would sadly become the latest victim of fraternity hazing. And in a case of university and fraternity cover-ups, let's discuss the tragic murder of Atio Castillo III. The morning following the welcoming party, at about 7.50 a.m., medical technologist John Paul Sarti Solano was on his way to buy cigarettes when he came across a young man lying on the pavement with a blanket draped over him. Solano immediately checked on the young man, pulling the blanket that had been draped on top of him off of him, and he saw that the young man had suffered massive bruises on his arms, along with cigarette burns on his skin and wax drippings all over his body. The young man was barely still alive. Solano flagged down passing vehicles in the hopes that one of them would stop so that they could transport the young man to the nearest hospital. A red Strada stopped to help rush the young man to hospital. They arrived at the Chinese General Hospital at 9.21 a.m. and sadly the young man was pronounced dead on arrival. The doctors at the hospital were unable to find any form of identification or anything to identify who this young man was so they were unable to inform his relatives. The police were contacted and informed of the young man's passing. His body was then transported to the Archangel funeral home. When Atiyo didn't come home that Sunday as he had promised, his parents understandably grew extremely worried. And as Sunday evening came around, they received an anonymous text message from an unknown number. The text message told them that Atiyo was dead and they could find his body at the Archangel funeral home. His parents rushed to the funeral home where sadly they identified Atio's body. The police were then informed by members of staff at the funeral home that an identification had taken place and so the police came to question them and talk to them so they could begin their investigations. The following morning on the 18th of September, 
the Mania Police District, MPD, announced that Atiyah's death had been caused due to cardiac or respiratory arrest, which had been triggered by traumatic injuries. Atiyah's father spoke to the media following that announcement, and he told them that he believed that Atiyah had died during a fraternity hazing writ, citing the welcome party that the AJF was having the night before his death. That same afternoon, the civil law dean, Dean Davina, who, as we mentioned earlier, was actually a member of the AJF, suspended all AGF members from entering the university campus. Davina told the fraternity members that they had been preventatively suspended to ensure unobstructed investigation into the death of Atio. This meant that the fraternity members were unable to attend their classes until the ban was lifted. The university issued a statement stating that the perpetrators must be brought to justice and that they suffer the appropriate sanctions. Further, the UST's statement expressed that their sadness at the incidents, expressing to Atio's family their support and sending prayers their way. The UST further condemned any form of hazing. The next day, the police invited John Paul Solano, the man who found Atio on the street, to come in for questioning and announced that they would ask him to produce a sworn statement. That was when rumors began to circulate that Solano was actually a member of the AGF, despite the fact that Solano had claimed that he didn't know Atio. Solano being a part of the fraternity would further support the theory that Atio had died as a result of fraternity hazing. This was one of the first indications to the police that the AJF may be covering up Atio's death. The police had searched the car registration database using the CCTV images of the red strata that had brought Atio to hospital on the morning that he died and had discovered the car to be registered to a man named Antonio Trangia. What's most interesting about this is that Antonio Trangia's son, Ralph Trangia, was actually an official at the AJF. Subsequently, the police tagged Antonio and Ralph Trangia as primary suspects in the death of Atio. 16 further members of the AJF were also tagged as being suspects in this case, with all of them being placed on the immigration lookout list. It was announced that Solano, who the police had by this point confirmed that he was in fact a member of the AJF, would also be added to the uh, immigration lookout list, and he was also considered a primary suspect in this case. On this same day, the Senate ordered Senate Resolution 504 and 510, which basically means that they ordered a investigation and inquiry into Atio's death. Calls for an appeal of the anti-hazing law of 1995 were being made by members of the public, with some people demanding that hazing should be banned outright. The police also decided to bring in an Uber driver who had spoken to Atio the day of the welcoming party. Atio had called an Uber to deliver his school bag to his parents' home, though the driver was suspicious as to the contents of the bag. So the driver told Atio that he would take his school bag to his parents' home so long as he was shown what was in the bag and when the driver looked in the bag it was just school books and other school supplies. Most notably in this Uber driver's accounts, Atio seemed sweaty and anxious. The police speculated that Atio was really anxious about the welcoming party at the AJF 
probably suspecting that there was going to be some pretty intense initiation writs. Finally, late on that same day, screenshots were posted to a Facebook group created by Atio's friends of a Facebook group chat conversation. The messages were believed to have been sent between seven different AJF members. I attempted to translate the messages to try and determine what they were saying, but a lot of the messages were in slang or had misspelling, so it was pretty difficult to translate, so I tried my best. Here's what the messages said. The men in the group chat discussed the welcoming party, saying it's got an entrance fee that will go to the caretaker, and mentioning where and when it's starting, saying it's starting at 9pm at the fraternity library. The messages primarily discussed the alcohol they're going to drink at the party and how drunk they're going to get. The conversation also shows how the members knew that they were going to be doing something dangerous and prohibited. At 9.11am on Sunday morning, a message was sent to the group chat translating to Emergency, can I ask for Papoy's phone number? Somebody replied with the phone number. The next message is someone telling the guy who asked for the number to delete their account. Following that, the same guy says, Code of silence, let's be quiet first, deactivate your accounts. Someone replies saying they've deactivated. Then Papoy replies saying, Brothers, applicable to the three-hour detention rule, right? I will not reactivate. I left the hospital here. The police quickly discovered that the Papoy character in these messages were actually Solano. Investigators believe that these messages demonstrate an intent to cover up a murder. On the 21st of September, Ralph Trangia, who had been identified as one of the primary suspects in this case, and who had likely driven or been in the red strada that had taken Atio to hospital, fled the country. It was determined that Ralph went via Taiwan and onwards to Chicago, United States. The next day, on the 22nd, Solano surrendered himself to the Senate and was then handed over to the police. He apologized for having given a false statement and confessed that he was in fact a member of the AJF. Solano goes on to claim that his role in the initiation writs was only to provide medical assistance and that he wasn't directly involved in any of the writs. Four further members of the AGF were then added to the immigration lookout list, bringing the total amount of AGF members on this list up to 20, excluding the three primary suspects. On the 25th of September, a Senate hearing took place in which Atio's family addressed the Senate. The following clips are taken from the Rapley YouTube channel or the Inquirer.net YouTube channel. We are no different from any other parent here. We live our lives for our children, wishing always to shield them from harm, to protect them from unkindness, to shelter them from injustice. We will forever be tormented by the thought that the Aedes Jewish fraternity invited him to their organization, only to treat him like an animal. After killing our son and dumping him in the Chinese general in the morning of September 17, they only informed us of his death and whereabouts on September 18, or a day later. We want to know the truth of what happened that night. Only the Almighty God can judge you. But your actions now, whether of cowardice or courage, will forever define you as a person and your fraternity as an institution. The anti-hazing law should be there to protect these young men and women from false promise of brotherhood. We hope that through this legislative hearing and the anti-hazing law will be strengthened so that no other young man or woman would ever suffer the fate of Antioch.
at you had lived his life standing up for what he believed in and standing up for those who couldn't. It would have made him very happy knowing that in the end, his life's purpose was to ensure that hazing would not happen to anyone ever again. Solano then addressed the Senate. The senator tells Solano to tell the Senate what he knows about Atio's death. She asks whether he brought Atio to the hospital. She then asks if he did it alone. I was with some frat members. Why were you the only one identified? So you were the only one who stayed at the hospital? Yes, boy, I the senator then asks why Solano had given conflicting statements to the authorities. Uh, uh, po, Your Honor, they, they told me to say it. Who told you to say it? Uh, a frat member but that I would include in my affidavit. Po. Solano is then questioned by a different senator later on in the hearing over the same events that took place that Sunday morning. Take particular note when watching these clips of the way that Solano seems to smoke when giving his answers. Uh, they did not text me, they called me. They called you, anong oras yun? Around 6.30 in the morning, the first call. First call is 6.30 in the morning. And, uh, sino yung tumawag sa'yo? Uh, a frat member po, Your Honor. Anong pangalan niya? Uh, I would, uh, name that person on my affidavit po, Your Honor. With all due respect po. So, 6.30 siya, tuma- nasaan ka noon nung tumawag siya sa'yo? Uh, I was on the comfort of my bed at home. Saan yun? On my residence po, uh, it's in Kalaokan City. Sa Kalaokan? Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Meron bang... Anong comfort? Natutulog ka? Anong, anong... Yes, I was sleeping that time. Meron bang nakakita sa'yo kung natutulog ka? Uh, I was sleeping with my girlfriend, Your Honor. Umalis nung bahay para puntahan si Acho? That was around 7.30 or 7.40 in the morning. At 9.11 a.m., they were still looking for your number. Uh, Pwede hingin po ang number ni Popoy. Ikaw ba si Popoy? Uh, that's my nickname po, Your Honor. So, ikaw si Popoy? But that, I cannot confirm if they were... Actually, uh, Your Honor, actually, uh, I do not have personal knowledge on that uh, message, Your Honor. In any case, uh, nung pagdating mo doon si Acho, anong kalagayan niya? Uh, Your Honor, he's unconscious po. But was he alive? Was he dead? Anong kalagayan niya? Uh, Your Honor, I cannot confirm uh, that uh, person because I am not a doctor. So He was lying on the floor, Your Honor. He was lying on the floor. But yes, was he breathing at least? Ayun, determine. You said you're a medical technologist. No? Yes, Your Honor. Ilan uh, ka nag-aaral ng medical technologist? Uh, four and a half years. So at least uh, uh, some, you have some form of medical knowledge. Yes, Your Honor. So was he even... Humihinga pa siya o hindi? No, ganun kasimple lang. Uh, I can confirm that he is not breathing when I came, Your Honor. Anong oras mo siya hinatid sa Chinese gen? Do you remember? That time, Your Honor, when we were ready to go to Chinese gen, I have no uh, knowledge on the time. Anong oras ka nilang dumating sa Chinese gen? Around... 9 o'clock or 9.10 to 9.15, Your Honor. 9 I'm o'clock? I'm pretty much not sure. 
mga nine, more or less lang. More or less 9 o'clock to 9.15 in the morning. 9 o'clock to 9.10. And bakit hindi ka nagsabi ng totoo? Uh, Your Honor, they told me to tell that story, Your Honor. And then, bakit man man sila sinundan? Uh, I was very, like, rattled that time, Your Honor. I I'm very confused on what to do. So, I just followed, Your Honor. The police then filed charges of perjury, murder, robbery, obstruction of justice, and violation of the anti-hazing law against Solano and 16 of the other suspects. The following day, on the 26th, the police began to investigate the sister organization to the AJF. Though all the members of the Regina Legia jury sorority deny any knowledge of what had happened or any involvement. A TO's funeral took place on September 27th and the funeral was swamped by the media and the press and hundreds and hundreds of people attended. If you would notice in church, there was um, a go for fun for Acho. The only reason because no one would say, why do we need funds to want this or to help Acho? It is because we are going to fight a very, very powerful, powerful law firm. And you are involved. You just don't know it, but I know. You heard it from the Senate, the people of the Philippines are not dumb. They are not stupid. We are not stupid. That's why. Even if I have all the means, if I would have to fight with the help of the people of the Philippines, I will get justice for Acho. Even he's gone, I cannot bring him back. That same day, Salino was ordered by the Department of Justice to be released from detention. The DOG insisted that this didn't mean that he was off the hook or that the charges in case against him had been dropped. Solano was released the following day on September 28th. On that same day, investigators searched the offices of the AJF, where the frat library is located, and they found paddles branded with AJF markings. The police announced that it was highly likely that the initiation rite or hazing took place there, citing the aforementioned Facebook group chat messages and Solano's testimony. They also discover that CCTV records are missing from the building on the night and subsequent morning of the hazing. A forensics team managed to collect specimens of bodily fluids, though the police didn't announce to the public uh, or the media whether this bodily fluid, whether these specimens were blood. On October 4th, 2017, the Castillo family announced plans to file criminal charges against Dean Davina and other officials of the University of Santo Tomas, accusing them of violating the Anti-Hazing Act and of a cover-up. The family filed the charges on the 9th of October. It also emerged that Dean Davina had found out about Atio's death on the morning of the murder, which meant that Dean Davina found out hours and hours before Tio's parents would be informed via an anonymous text message. The Castillo family shamed Dean Davina for not informing them of the death and for not bothering to reach out to the family and for letting them make the gruesome discovery by themselves. Further, the Castillo family states that Dean Davino's suspension of the AGF members from going onto the university campus 
might have actually hindered the investigation. This was because it actually allowed members to avoid questioning from the police as they could scatter out across uh, the country. On October 10th, one of the primary suspects in this case, Ralph Trangia, returned to the country after being offered witness protection by the Department of Justice. As mentioned before, Ralph was an official at the AGF, and his father was the registered owner of the Red Strada vehicle that had been used to transport Atio's body to the hospital. He had fled the country to Chicago, USA, the day before he was named as a primary suspect. Eight days later, on the 11th of October, the Senate released the full testimony of Solano. He had given the testimony in an executive meeting following the Senate hearing back on September 25th. The full testimony revealed the names of six AFJ members that were involved in the murder and the name of the family driver who works for Ralph Trangia's family and who had allegedly actually drove the Red Strada to the hospital. Also within this testimony, Solano states that a man named Arvin Balog was the head of the AJF and it was Arvin that had asked him to lie about the discovery of Atio's body. This could be backed up by those Facebook messages in which it was clear that Arvin was a leader within the group chats, and where it was clear that there were plans to cover up and evade prosecution for the murder. Arvin was then ordered to be detained. Solano filed a counter-offedavit on the 24th of October, in which he claims that Atio had actually died as a result of an existing heart condition, and not due to hazing. The claim cited a medical report that confirms that Atio did have a heart condition, called hyperthropic cardiomyopathy myopathy, or HCM. Solano stated that patients suffering with HCM have an increased risk of a heart attack or suffering from cardiac arrest. And thus, if it is true that a TO died of a cardiac arrest, then that would be due to this heart condition and not due to hazing. In a furious response to Solano's counter-affidavit, a TO's mother denied that he had the condition, claiming that he was a football player uh, he was very healthy and he was very active. Atio's father went on to criticize Solano's medical expertise, saying that he's just a medical technologist and not a doctor. So how could he make these claims? Atio's father also reveals that the autopsy report states that Atio's death had been uh, due to blunt force trauma as a result of hazing. A member of the AJF who had been suspected of murder became a state witness that same day. A state witness is a person who has been charged with a crime, but then has the charges dropped as long as the person gives honest testimony effectively the witness protection program. Mark Ventura was this state's witness and was therefore entered into the witness protection program and was no longer considered a suspect in this case and granted immunity. And what Mark's testimony revealed was chilling. Mark named more than 16 members of the AGF who were present at the hazing, including all 16 members that were on the immigration lookout list. As Atiyah was undergoing the hazing, the AGF held a karaoke session to drown out any noise that was coming from the initiation writs. Mark claims that the first stage of this initiation started with a physical punishment in which they would be punching the um, initiate's arm. More than 10 members partook in this first stage, punching Atio's arm um, repeatedly until it became swollen 
uh, it had to become swollen, according to Mark, as part of the tradition. In the second stage, following that um, punching, they tapped a spatula onto the swollen arms of Atio to uh, reduce the swelling and in order to calm his muscles. The final stage of the initiation was a paddling ceremony. According to Mark, the initiate is only supposed to get 10 paddles, though if they're deemed a leader of the batch or if there are um, a solo initiate, then they receive 11 paddles. After being hit with the paddles for the third time, Mark asked Atio whether he could take any more, and Atio said that yes, he could. Though, after the fourth paddle, Atio collapsed the floor. The AJF members watched Atio, and as soon as he moved, they hit him again for the fifth time with the paddles, causing him to collapse further and fall unconscious. Mark then claims that one of the AGF members suggested using candle wax, melted candle wax, to try and force a response out of Atio. But Atio, despite the dripping hot melted candle wax, didn't respond. He had stopped responding. They also used cigarettes to try and stimulate a response, but were unsuccessful. The hazing writs had begun at 1am, and by the time that Atio had collapsed, it was 5am. He wouldn't arrive at the hospital for another four hours. But why? The members of the AJF called Solano for medical assistance, but that meant that they had to wait for him to arrive for him to perform CPR. According to Solano's testimony, he didn't arrive at the fraternity library until two to three hours later. This delayed medical response played a massive role in Atio's death, and if they had acted sooner and got medical assistance sooner, Atio might still be alive today. Mark also stated that a member called Axel was the AJF master initiator, and it was Axel who called the shots and supervised the four-hour-long hazing writ. On the 26th of October, the Department of Justice placed Dean Davina on the immigration lookout list, along with 63 other members. The next day, Solano's defense team used Atio's death certificate, which stated that his provisional cause of death was due to HCM to support their argument. Atio's father stated again that the official autopsy concluded that his cause of death was due to blunt force trauma from hazing, and Atio's father told Solano's defense team that he should request the official autopsy report from the police so that he could see that. This is where the people involved in this case begin to get a lot more scummy. Arvin Balog, who was the aforementioned leader of the AJF, began to, and I quote, exhaust the definitions of the law in an attempt to get himself out of the murder charges. He filed his counter affidavit, which stated that there were no witnesses to abuse of superior strength. And the law stated that to charge a person with murder, the accuser must prove there was a treachery taking advantage of superior strength and other qualifications in the death. He further cited Atio's heart condition as his cause of death. Dean Davina also filed his counter affidavit claiming no responsibility or no role or involvement in Atio's death. On November 6th, the Senate began to cross-examine Solano's claims that Atio had died from his heart condition. A senator asked Solano if indeed he had a pre-existing heart condition, 
not you, but the others who participated. Isn't that worse? You knew he had a pre-existing heart condition, yet you still subjected him to extreme pain. It also emerged that the AGF wasn't a recognized organization at the university for that school year. The Senate grilled Dean Davina for allowing the AGF to continue operating. It also emerged that it took 30 to 40 minutes for the AGF to decide to take Atio's body to hospital after Solano had arrived. The family driver of Ralph Trangia then gave testimony stating that he wasn't actually the driver of the Red Strada used to take Atio to hospital that morning, claiming that he had been with Antonio Trangia, Ralph's father, Mark Ventura, who was the AJF member who had become a state witness, was then accused of being a Trojan horse and giving false testimony in order to um, throw the detectives off their scent and to obstruct the course of justice. Though Mark swore and vowed in the Senate that he was telling the truth. Before the accusation, Mark had actually switched his lawyers from an AJF lawyer to a non-AJF lawyer, which demonstrated that he was trying to distance himself from the AJF. On the 22nd of December, 2017, Arvin Balog, the leader of the AJF, was released from detention. Then on the 18th of February, 2018, the University of Santo Toma expelled eight students over the murder. And on the 8th of March, 2018, the Department of Justice drops the charges against Dean Davina due to insufficient evidence. The Department of Justice then indicted 10 members of the AJF for violating anti-hazing laws, which carries a maximum sentence of life in prison. The indictment included a no-bail recommendation. The 10 indicted members included Arvin Balog, Axel and Ralph Trangia. The Department of Justice then also recommended that the police conduct further investigation into 10 other members. They also cleared 22 members of any charges. On the 23rd of March, 2018, the police officially arrested the 10 indicted members. And on Monday, the 17th of June, 2018, Solano was found guilty of obstruction of justice. He was sentenced to a minimum term of two years to a maximum of four years and two months in prison for the crime. During this time, the 10 arrested AJF members had been trying to request uh, a bail. But on the 3rd of January of this year, 2020, the 10 AJF members who had been held in city jail since their arrest were denied their bail request. They continued to be held at the city jail and detained there as the trial continues and takes place. The trial is still ongoing, though it has been suspended and postponed at the moment due to the current global pandemic. Nobody has yet been charged with the murder of Atio. However, it's strongly believed that due to the substantial evidence that the Senate has on the 10 arrested AJF members, that they will all be found in some way culpable and guilty for the murder of Atio. As the trial is currently ongoing, I have omitted some details and I have omitted some people's names, but you can freely find that information on the internet if you so desire. As of publishing this video, the Senate hasn't made any 
reforms to the anti-hazing laws of 1995. Despite the most recent hazing death case taking place in September of 2019, I can only hope that following the closure of this trial, that a law reform is considered and passed. And that's everything that I have for you in today's case. I might do a case update video when the trial concludes for this case, so keep your eye out for that. Thank you so much for watching this episode in my Curious Case series. If you want to watch more true crime videos just like this one, then you can find a link to my Curious Case series playlist in the description down below. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and hit that bell icon so you can be notified every single time that I post a brand new true crime video. Also, don't forget to follow me over on Twitter and Instagram. I'm trying to get to 10,000 followers on Instagram so that I can do swipe ups for different cases. So if you're interested in that, then be sure to go check me out. It's um, at it's Joshua Miles on Instagram. And with all that being said, I'll see you in the next case. summer sticker sales event so give your friends something to look at like a b&b with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter make this a summer to share and save with a capable kia suv or powerful sedan see your local kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more kia movement that inspires call 800-334-KIA for details always drive safely sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only quantities are limited must take delivery by 7824